folks, welcome back to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, and with me is my co-host, Anthony, and we are here for part two of the interviews with Jenna Perry. Now, today is going to be very interesting. She's going to talk about her encounter with what can only be described as a very large werewolf. And uh, so... Before we get started, remember, we have a group on Facebook, and this link will be put up on, on Facebook, and you can go and leave a comment in the Paranormal Roundtable Facebook group, and you could win a prize, which is an autographed book from one of many authors. Now, those authors that we deal with, like Nick Redfern, Lyle Blackburn, Ken Gerhard, Barton Nunley, David Weatherly, Ron Murphy, the list goes on and on and on, um, they're all going to be at my conference, which is going to be... It's Paranormal Roundtable Presents second annual Dogman Cryptid Conference, but we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff there. Go get your tickets. They're on Eventbrite. Just look up Eventbrite and, and, and go punch in those coordinates and you can get your tickets. We still have some VIP left. VIP are almost gone, but <clears throat> we have lots of regular tickets available. Um, it's going to be awesome. VIP starts at six o'clock on Friday night and there's like a three hour dinner meet and greet with uh, all the... Uh, uh, people that are going to be speaking and then for, uh, Saturday and Sunday will be the speakers. And that is on September 1st, 2nd and 3rd. So that's in Fort Worth. So let me know uh, what you want to do. If you, if you uh, want to go, but you need special concessions made or something, we can, uh, we can talk about, it, especially if you're a Patreon member, Patreon members get uh, discounts and everything else. So just get with me if you're a Patreon member. Now the Patreon very quickly is a 10, 30, a 20, 10, 20, 30, and $40 tier. Each one has a different value of a swag bag that you will get. We talk about that on the live stream. So if you're confused about that, I don't want to take up too much time talking about it. Go to the live stream, which is every Friday at 9 p.m. And then on Sunday, we try to start at 7, 730. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've had some issues trying to get started um, because of some technical problems, which we still haven't figured out yet. And I blame that on ghosts. Uh, so <laughs> cause this is a paranormal show, so I got to blame it on something. So that's what that is. And then the last but not least, I'm Josh Turner 940 on Instagram. People have asked me about that. Go and hit me up. I know Mushu's on there. I don't know his coordinates by, by heart. We talk about it on the live stream. And if you want bonus content and bonus stories, definitely go check out the live streams on Fridays. And Sundays on YouTube. Those are YouTube exclusives. Now, if you're listening to me on the podcast, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, don't forget to uh, go to YouTube, like and subscribe. But if you're listening to us on, on the podcast, uh, just be aware that you are missing out on a lot of content. Okay. But don't stop listening to us because uh, all the views and, and the listens that you do, it, it helps the show. Uh, if you want to be uh, participate and help with the show in any way, as far as donations or anything like that, just hit me up and I can send you a link. And then if you are one of those swag bag uh, tiers on uh, Patreon, be sure and message me on Patreon about it because it gets kind of convoluted. Josh Turner, uh, uh, 940, like I said, on Instagram. Now, let me know that you are a listener of the show so that I can approve your friend request on Facebook. You can look me up on Facebook or Instagram. And last but not least, don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. Now, remember, Josh Turner at PRTPodcast.com. Josh Turner at PRTPodcast.com. That is the email address. You can send me your stories. Don't forget that email address. It's very important. And it is uh, Patreon.com slash PRTPodcast. That's how you can donate to the show or join the Patreon. So don't forget those coordinates and uh, let's get started. It was in January. It was right after the new year and um, I won't use her name, but I'll just, I'll call her Laura. I'm like, did he contacted uh, my mom and I, he's like, did, did you hear the story that, that Laura has? And we were like, no, what, what happened to her? And I'm thinking, what happened to my, my best friend's mom, because obviously she's my best friend and I'm really close with her. And so he's like, she saw a dog man right on. He's like, Jenna, right on, right on your road. And I'm thinking, sorry, what did you say? <laughs> right on my road, right, right where I live. And he's like, yeah, we'll have to get together and she'll have to come over and, you know, we'll have to get together and talk about it. So we ended up getting together and she's like, I, I thought I was losing my mind. So her story is, she was, um, 
driving home on New Year's Eve and that particular New Year's Eve, I remember it distinctly because we have um, in the town, they always do a ball drop, kind of like they do in New York City, but obviously nowhere near the magnitude of that. But we just have one in the town and she was like, I was driving home from the ball drop and she's like, yeah, I I had a drink or two, but I, I was not drunk. Obviously, I could drive nothing out of the ordinary. It was New Year's Eve and it was about like negative 10 outside and she was like I because we didn't even go to the ball drop that year because it was too it was just too cold and so she was driving home and she was like it was it was freezing out as you know um and I was driving up the road and she said I came across and on on my road the um speed limit's 30 so she's like I was going 30 I was going slow and on the side of the road she's like I saw a, a black dog on the side of the road and she's thinking what is a black dog doing on new year's eve outside in the road when it's negative 10 degrees out like whose dog whose dog is outside right now so she's like you know he was kind of had his back towards me but you know a little bit angled to the left so she was like i thought you know he was gonna cross the road at some point so she's like i slowed down and kind of drove, you know, veered right to, to kind of pull over so he could cross the road to the left and, you know, go go up the hill. And as soon as she got close to it, and I think she said it, she was maybe about 10, 10, 20 yards from it, it stood up on two legs, looked at her and ran across the road on two legs up the hill. And she's like, I thought I was literally going crazy. She's like, I started shaking, crying. I didn't know what I just witnessed. I, she's like, eventually I had to pull over and call her boyfriend at the time. And she was just hysterical. She, and she called him and he's like, Oh, come on. You know, didn't believe her and ended up calling our mutual friend who believes in all this stuff. And we've heard, you know, Bigfoot stories from him, his experiences and all that. And He's like, you just saw a dog man. She's like, a what? She had never heard of it before. And she said it was pitch black. She did say the eyes had a color, but I can't remember if she said they were red or if they were amber. But it looked directly at her and just ran on two legs, crossed the road and up the hill. And she said just the, the leg muscles on this thing were gigantic and the upper body was huge. This just the typical, stereotypical, you know, dog man. She said probably about six feet, seven feet. But the funny thing is, the direction it was heading, there's an opening to a cave up there. Like, right up there. I'll tell you this. Th- th- this is interesting. Now, I wanted to say something. You said gypsum. hmm Okay. A lot of people don't know what gypsum is. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's actually, it's used in, in like, uh, and, and there's a lot of uses for it. For fertilizer, I know they use it in fertilizer, but they also. I know it's used in drywall. In drywall and alabaster, which, which you know, people use that a lot before they started using drywall. And then it's used to make chalk. It's soft. It's a very, it's a very, so, it's kind of like limestone. It's very soft. And this is the important thing. People don't know this. It actually crystallizes as selenite. You know those uh, those clearing pa- those pads that, sp- that we had, like the the things we put the cell phone on that Sam gave us at Anatolian Breezes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, my friend owns a shop and he sells crystals and rocks and stuff. So I sat there for like three hours one day just talking to him about this. As I did some research on these uh, selenite is actually a cleansing mi- uh, mineral. And it's been used for a long time, and gypsum actually crystallizes in that form. So it's interesting because here in Austin, there's a lot of limestone, and there's a lot of caves and stuff. So if it was gypsum, man, there's no telling, you know, what what those caves could do, like what what kind of energy they could bring, you know, especially when it crystallizes into selenite. I mean, that's like, that's crazy because you're looking at like, you know, the energies of this thing, you know, and, and energies, of course, as we know on this show, for those are, who are initiated, know that energy brings portals and things like that, that open up for 
critters, you know? And so, you know, going into that cave, man, I, I, when you were a child, did you go in there and see any like crystalline formations or anything like that? I can't remember seeing anything. It was always really damp, really dark, really just dark and, and damp is all I can remember. I don't really remember seeing any, any sort of like rock forms or anything like that, but there very well could be. So, and, and that encounter happened, oh, I don't know, a quarter of a mile up the road from my house. <laughs> yeah. And, and so let me ask you another question. W- whenever they told you about the story, did they say, hey, dog man, or did they say werewolf? No. She, she, she's like, it looked like a werewolf. Werewolf. Yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah. And, and, and it's weird because this isn't the first time I've heard of, of like, cause gypsum is, is heavily mined in a lot of places found everywhere. It's a very abundant, you know, so it's abundant, but I mean, it's like limestone or salt or anything else. I mean, you know, you, you get stories of werewolf type creatures coming out of these cave systems. And I always talk about the inner earth and people probably think it sounds like a broken record, but I'm telling you, there is bunches and bunches of historical text about it. There's a lot of real estate underneath our feet. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. And people just do not get it. Now the natives knew that. They understood that, and they even a lot of their oral traditions, and even the natives where you're from, they 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 have they talk about other races and other beings, and you know, and and the Europeans when they came here, you know, they would just be like, oh, these people are just superstitious, and they they talk about hairy men, giants, and cannibal giants, and they're coming up out of the earth and snatching children, and blah blah blah, and but then you know, it kind of started happening to them, <laughs> and of course. Like I said, the French were kind of ahead of the curve when it came to the natives because wherever they were at, they respected and they seemed to be kind of in tune with the natives, you know? And they were, that's why they were so uh, close. Like they got along so well. Um, they treated them as equals, whereas the British did not. And the Spaniards, you know, they were the first to come and they, of course, were just at constant war with them. Because it just started off that way, it just kind of stayed that way. And everybody's got their own opinions about why or how or what, but not all of the native tribes were just like, hey, let's all get along and have a good time. No, dude. I mean, they were warlike, a lot of them very warlike with one another and with anybody outside of their own little, you know, tribal group. And there were giants, there were tribes of giants too. And their traditions of these giants, a lot of times they would just say, Hey, you know, we came from the, from in the ground, from the earth, um, those tribes. And I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I could go back and look at my notes because I did a lot of research on it. There were, uh, I believe it was the explorer. Gosh, I'm trying to remember his name now. Not, I think it was, I don't think it was Pizarro. It was, he was an explorer. He was a Spanish explorer. And I just, I just read this the other day, like maybe three, four weeks ago. Now I'm kicking myself because I don't have the note in front of me here, but I, I, I know that he encountered a tribe of giants and, and, and they were, and I'll talk about this on a future show, folks. I promise you just remind me, I'll, I'll have my notes together. He encountered a tribe of giants and their traditions were that they came from the earth. They did not come from across the ocean or they did not come from somewhere else. They were inner earth and then they interbred with the tribes that were already there. And I know that the, that the same uh, explorer actually our same situation happened with the Patagonian giants too. They were big, tall, giant looking native American people. Same thing. The Patagonians told the Spaniards, you know, that their fathers came from within the earth and bred with their mothers which is very odd, you know, but these cave systems seems to be kind of like where they come from. Like they come from out of these caves. And then every time something is found in one of these caves during the mining process, they're like, well, we should turn that over to somebody. And the Smithsonian's like, I'll take it. And then that's it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) bye-bye, gone, gone. And then you don't see it again. Um, But that, you know, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not bagging on them in particular because whoever it gets turned over to, it seems like it's never seen again. Um, whether it's uh, from like a, a tiny race of, of beings or a large race of beings. that That's weird though. And you lived, how far were these cave systems from you? 
so they surround the area that I've lived in. They're probably, all right, so you go, so my grandparents also lived in Akron, both of them, but my mom's parents live um, on Main Street in Akron at the, at the dead end, we call it. And at the dead end, there's a ledge. That's what we call it. And if you walk up there, it's just a big mountain this hill area. I don't know what you call it, but there's a bunch of paths and stuff up there. And that's what leads you to the caves. And, you know, if you can get to the school by, you know, walking through there and they're all around, there's like a small airport up here. They're kind of just like surrounding all of Akron. So there's just all these trails that you can get to them by and they're everywhere. I mean, it's probably, I mean, down to my grandparents' house, probably like two minute drive and then, you know, a short, like 15 minute walk and there you are. So yeah, they're, they're all around us. Man. And, and, you know, the, the interesting thing about these caves too, I got a story from Ecuador. This guy was a, he did spelunking, like he went down into caves or whatever. And, uh, I got this story not too long ago. It's a couple of weeks ago. And this guy it was very interesting. I'm going to talk about it on the show eventually, but he went down into a cave and he like he, he luckily he was only about six feet off the ground and his uh, you know how they they locked themselves in or whatever like it broke and he fell to the ground. He had people above him. It wasn't like he was trapped, but he saw like these crystal crystalline looking like shimmering things on the wall which I, I assume is probably a type of selenite, you know, or some sort of, you know, crystal. It could have been other things. But he said they were, it was white, really pretty. And he said that uh, when he was touching the wall, this is a weird story. Like something reached out like with the, like a wispy, what looked like a hand with three fingers on it, grabbed his hand. And and it, it started to put, it pull him toward this. This this crystal and but it was like it, it, he it was like it was physical it wasn't like it was an illusion or anything but whatever this being was he saw what looked like a face like a fe- what he described as a featureless face came out of the wall and it kind of reminded me of the creature from Edadorpa like we had talked about on the show the other night Anthony mm-hmm. where I am the man and he said that this thing had no eyes. It was just like, which would make sense if it lives in a cave, but the fact that it could move out of these crystals and form into like a physical form. Yeah. What is that? That's bizarre. Yeah. That's very bizarre because, and and then what you were talking about, the dog man, I mean, he pulled away from it and and he screamed and his buddies got down there, got him out. He didn't go back down. They did and nothing happened. So they were just like, I, you know, meet the also nothing happened to you. They probably teased him all night. But he was like, dude, I know what I saw. But his friends didn't, at that time, they didn't touch the wall. So who knows how that works. But there could be some sort of like fourth density thing going on there where they come in and out of the wall. I got a dog man story, though, very similar. And this one happened up near Rochester. And these guys were driving in a Jeep and it was like late uh, October. Um, but th- the way they described it to me, it was like or mid-October. It was an unusually, because y'all up there have seasons. <laughs> y'all have yeah. actual seasons. <laughs> Down here, it's like hot and cold. You know, and it's like, yep. you know, do we wear a jacket today or are we wearing shorts? And that's pretty much it. There's nothing in between. But uh, no, nah, it's not that bad. I'm, I'm exaggerating. But anyway, these guys in Rochester, and this is, this is why I like doing these discussions with people like you, because I can tell these stories because these stories aren't real long and they're not really like show worthy on their own because they're so short. But it was another one of these encounters. We had a lady came on the show and she talked about this dog man. You remember the werewolf thing in Lexington? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we met him at a tavern. We went there to get food and we ended up meeting these people. Um, but I'm in my hometown, but they don't live there. And they drove through this, this creature. Well, this is a similar thing. It was near Rochester. And, they, you know, Rochester's not not far. It's like up there by Buffalo and all that. And it was October and it was a little, it was unseasonably warm for a couple of days. And they said that they were, were driving along in their Jeep with the top down. And there were two guys and two girls and they were all in their late teens, like 19. I think the oldest one was 20. And they see this thing run across the road 
just looked like a full-on werewolf, but it, it had like a hump on its back, like a like a ridge with a hump. And they they slammed on the brakes and tried to swerve, but they hit it, and they saw it go, go up over the hood, and then it went through their windshield, but not like you would think, like glass breaking and everything else. And they're screaming, and it flew right through the driver. The arm went through the um, passenger in the front seat, and then the same, it repeated the same process of the people in the back of the Jeep. And then they look back, and there's nothing there. What? So, yeah. So, you're, and, and we had a woman on the show who literally ran right through one of these things. And then me and Anthony, we, you know, the story about the women up in uh, near Tacoma, Washington, that ran into the, it was raining, I think it was. Uh-huh. And they ran through the Bigfoot. It was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was just like it was walking, running across the road. And, and when they they contacted me, those women, they said we have a, a story about a Bigfoot ghost. So I thought that's interesting, but it's not the first time I've heard that. You know, maybe I'm just the, the only wacky guy that'll take the reports. <laughs> I don't know, but I got on there and I and I listened to him and I said, well, this, you know, have you ever heard anything like this? I said, actually, yes, I have. But you know, they think they were like, do you think it was a ghost? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. This this werewolf looking creature wasn't overly large. It was about six foot, you know. And it, they said it probably weighed about two three hundred pounds, two 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 fifty three hundred pounds. It was it was heavily heavily built, um, very muscular. But it looked like flesh and blood. And they felt it when they it, when it, when the impact came. Boom! The guy was driving like a jeep, a Rubicon. It goes through the. Uh, I believe it was a Rubicon. I'm not real sure. It, anyway, whatever the jeep was, they. The top come came comes off. I don't know a lot about vehicles, but my wife knows all about that. But it it they it went through them, and that, it went through their bodies. When I asked the driver, he's the only one I actually spoke with. The the, the female, one of the females, which was his wife. Now they were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, high school sweethearts. But she was saying in the background, I could hear her kind of talking, you know, whatever. And she was dealing with children, so I was trying to get the story, you know, but. It was very brief, really. It wasn't that long of an encounter, but she said that it felt cold, like when the arm went through her. She said it was like an ice uh, sickle going through your body. And so, yeah, that was very weird. And the guy, he felt the full-on brunt of it. He said he felt like an impact, like if you were to take like a Nerf ball and push it into your chest and say it just goes through your body, like a cold, foamy Nerf ball. That's bizarre. It is very bizarre. Yeah, I know. And then they look back and there's nothing back there and they're all like, what was that? And they're screaming and yelling, um, you know, and then they were like, dude, this acid is really taking effect. And I was like, no, nah, I'm <laughs> kidding. That's not what happened. They they were not inebriated at all. According to them, they were like, we, we, we weren't on drugs, we weren't drinking. They, they clarified that. And I was like, well, that's crazy. I mean, you know, that's usually something that, you know. The first thing they're going to say is, were you drinking? Were you were you taking the devil's reefer? Was that why you saw what you saw? And you have to say, no, I was not. And then they're like, I thought British policies made the world England. Oh, that's a different different show. But I was just, when, when this thing went through them, you know, like you're bracing for impact. You feel an impact. And then it just kind of goes through your window and it defies the laws of gravity, physics, everything you could possibly think of. And it just kind of like it flew and just kept flying past them um, to, to the point where they said that, that it seemed like it, it it leapt, you know, kind of up to go through them almost. Like it turned, did this weird like somersaulty looking, I don't know how to describe it, and then kind of went through the windshield, you know. So it was like it impacted it, but it didn't affect it like it would a flesh and blood creature. Now, I have no idea why that would be. But it's interesting, like, how far is Rochester from where you live? Um, my husband's actually from Rochester, and it's like about, I don't know, hour, 15 minutes. Yeah. We go yeah. up there all the time. So, what, yeah. what highway that is, I need to go back and look. I wasn't planning on telling that story tonight, but we started talking about, you know, whatever. And I believe that, that one of them, I'm sorry, go ahead. Was it Highway 104? That might have been it. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I don't know. I guess I could. You could look it up, Anthony. But th- th- if if you ask your husband if there were mines over there in that area too, that would be interesting to know. Yeah, I will. I wonder if he would know. Because I didn't ask that question. Hmm. I mean, I just politely told them, "You people, are, you're out of your minds," and I hung up. You're I'm not. just kidding. 
<laughs> I'm joking. I hope they, they y'all know I'm joking. You said it's by Rochester, right? Yeah, Rochester. Yeah, that'd be Highway 104. Highway 104. Okay. I knew it was 10-something. Maybe that creature was actually in the middle of taking a uh, physical form, but like the atoms of which it was comprised had not yet had like a repelling force. That's why they were able to to go through it. Of course, this is all, I'm just postulating, this is all conjecture, but we know that all physical matter is made up of atoms, right? Well, if you look at a single atom, over 90% of it is just empty space. So like when two things touch, it's kind of an illusion. When two physical objects are quote unquote touching, what's actually happening is that they're getting as close as they can and the atoms that make up those two physical pieces of matter are actually repelling each other. So what you're actually feeling is a, re a repelling force. Like if you put your fingertips together, you would think oh, I'm feeling my own fingertips, but what you're actually feeling is the repelling force of the atoms that make up your fingers and that, that's why you can't go through things. But what if this thing was in the process of taking a physical form and during that process, at this point, its atoms had not yet taken on that repelling force. And so that's why it was able to go through this this car and go, go th right through these people. And maybe that's why they actually had a physical sensation when they felt it go through them. That's yeah, that, that is weird. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to look for my notes. I'm looking through my notes to see if I can see because it wasn't in Rochester. Right. I know people think Rochester and they think the city, which is not the most ideal place to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know, I've heard. Uh, let's see if I can find what they said that this was, because it was a county road off of 104. Oh, yeah. All right, that sounds like my husband's kind of country. Yeah, he, he probably would know. Maybe you could ask him. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't have the notes in front of me. I just remember them saying it was off a of county road or a country road off of 104 and back in that area. They said it was, I believe, east of Rochester. So... Yep, that'd be where he's from. Yeah. No, maybe that, you know, um, this was years ago, these people that, you know, and I don't, you know, maybe, maybe I could talk to them and maybe they, he could, I don't know, maybe if they still live in the area, I didn't ask. Did you get the specific area? He's from Ontario. Yeah. Ontario would be, it would be in between there. I believe if I looked at the map, look at the map real quick, Anthony, because like I said, my phone's not working, but you can, we can have Anthony look it up real quick. But uh, yeah, th that's interesting because you, your, your friends had, they had the dog man encounter and it headed toward the gypsum mines. Not surprising and <laughs> not surprising at all when some of the things that I've heard from mines and since I do talk about the inner earth quite a bit, I've had lots of people message me from all over, you know, telling me, Hey, you know, I, I got a story about something that happened in a cave and it's like, yeah, that's kind of where, where we're at because that's just the top le level of the inner earth is right. the cave systems, you know? So anyways, moving on, I guess, what did you got, Anthony? Yeah. So that would have been smack dab between Rochester and Ontario. There it is. Right there. Mm -hmm. Crazy story. But, uh, so and folks, let me clarify something else. When I say crazy story, I'm not saying people are crazy to tell the story. Somebody was like, Oh, you're insult people by saying their stories are crazy. I can't believe that we're in kindergarten and I have to explain this. You know, but th this is where we're at. And and also the the visuals on the show, on the podcast. Yeah. People take them a little bit <laughs> too literal. Literally. Yeah. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to dial it back with some of the uh, stock images and, and, and footage yeah. that I use because people take those images and think, oh, that this is, this is the real thing that they're talking about. <laughs> it's like, no, this is just like a visual aid. The go the ghost episode, and I don't want to insult people, but the, the ghost episode that we just dropped, um, the guy that, that was my neighbor that had passed away, he was very old. He was like late 70s. I mean, not very old, but he was elderly, late 70s, early 80s. And then Anthony put, posted a picture of a guy that looked like he might have been in his early 60s. They're like, that guy doesn't look like he's unhealthy and in a wheelchair. I'm like, because that's not the guy. Yeah, it was really... <laughs> You have no idea how difficult it was to find a copyright-free, royalty-free video clip of a, an older man who looked even remotely like this Iraqi man who used to be our neighbor. That was the closest that I could find. And, and, and at the end, I told Anthony, I was like, it really, you know, it's 
you didn't need to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> just yeah. Because it, it probably just confused people. A few people said something to ask questions about it, you know, and they were like, well, when the guy went into the house looking for the ghost, the ghost could have hid, you know, like behind furniture. And I'm like, no, did you listen to the story? It was a, a house that was being built. But then when they saw the visual of the guy with the little, the little man bun guy, he was looking around, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, he was looking inside of a furnished house. Furnished house. So people were like, oh, that's confusing. And I take exception to people with man buns because after they, they depicted me with a man bun on These Woods Are Haunted, I got kind of aggravated. But whatever. I'll, I'll let that one slide. So Jenna, tell us more. Let, let, let's get into some other stuff. What else has gone on in your life? Obviously, the most recent story I have is from Texas in mm -hmm. Dripping Spring. I could get into that let's one get next. It, let's get into that one. Let's do it. I've been waiting for this one. All right. So, um, in October of last, was that last year? 2022. We, my husband and I went to Texas for one of my best friend's weddings and couple things, Josh, I actually forgot to mention to you, which I'll bring up later, but I'd like to hear your opinion on it, but it's just, I don't know if it's, I don't believe in coincidence, so I don't know what it could be, but, or if it has any relevance to it, but so we get to Texas and we get an Airbnb in Dripping Springs, only us two. And so we get there and it's, quite literally in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of, of, of woods. It's a very large property gated off. You had to use a code to get into the gate. But once you got through the gate, you were driving a good, like, you know, three, four minutes through the woods on a dirt road to get back to this Airbnb. And it was a very large property and it had, I think, three total Airbnbs on it. The one we were at, you could just barely see the other one. So there was probably, oh geez, maybe like 200 yards, 300 yards in between all of them. So you could see the, the roofs of each of the Airbnbs, but they were nowhere near you. Uh, so we get there and we get all settled in and it's like a, it was on like stilts. So it was elevated essentially on like a, I don't know, maybe like a, a tiny house type of thing, but it wasn't in the shape of a house. It was, you know, long and it had a deck and a ramp that went up to it and then a deck off the back. And when you went in, it was just two big rooms. The kitchen and the living room were in one room. And then you went through a doorway and the bathroom and the bedroom were in the other room. And then both rooms had huge sliding glass doors that took up the whole wall leading onto this deck and then the deck overlooked like the woods. So, you know, we get in, we get settled. And of course, at this point, I mean, it just happened a few months ago. So I had, you know, known I'd listened to the show for a while. So of course, while we're, while we're there, I was talking to my husband and I'm like, Oh, like, you know, Josh Turner, you know, paranormal Roundtable, that show I listened to, you know, he's from Texas and there's a lot of stuff that goes on here and just kind of you know, just aware of, of the things I'd never been to Texas before this. So, and he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. All right. You know, like <laughs> or he, he's, he's, he's accepting of it, but he's skeptical. So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. He'll listen with me sometimes, but you know, we, we get there and the wedding was, um, we got in a day early and then sorry, two days early. And then the rehearsal dinner was the next day. And then the wedding was the day after that. So my friend ended up having the rehearsal dinner at another Airbnb where her now husband's family was staying. And that was in, uh, I can't remember exactly, but it was probably like 40, 45 minutes away from Dripping Springs. Again, middle of nowhere, but a beautiful Airbnb. She had it catered and it was just small and just really close friends and family went to the wedding. It was like a 25 person wedding, very small so, you know, we got into bed that night, the night before the rehearsal dinner. And we, so when you're in this, when you're in the bed of this Airbnb, your feet, the bed faced towards the window. And then there was blinds and we closed them that night. All was good. So got a great night's sleep, woke up, got ready, went to the rehearsal dinner that night and driving through 
really narrow dirt roads, winding roads, and kind of treacherous, not what we're used to, like in New York. So finally get there and, you know, stay until late. It's probably like 11 o'clock at night by the time we we decide to leave and, and drive home. So as we're driving home, obviously it's it's pitch black out, no street lights, no nothing. You know, obviously there's nothing around. So as we're driving, I kind of bring up to him, I'm like, I mean, and I say, I'm like, I, I definitely believe like, you know, in Bigfoot. And obviously we know the story about my friend's mom that, you know, saw the dog man and, you know, we've listened to your show, other shows. And it, I've just always found it so intriguing. And, but part of me is always like, yeah, but do they actually like, what are they, do they exist? You know, all the things. So we're having like a five minute conversation about it. And he's like, I mean, out here, probably, I don't know. He's like, there's, there's nothing around, you know, where we live, there's houses everywhere. He's like, Jenna, come on. Like, really? So I'm like, I know, but I don't know who knows. So we have, you know, like a quick minute, quick five minute conversation about it and then move on to the next thing. So when we get back, we had to park in a certain area and then walk to the Airbnb. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I am not walking to our Airbnb in the middle of the woods at 12 o'clock at night. He's like, come on. I'm like, no, I'm serious. You have to drive the truck up there and we're parking next to the Airbnb. And he's like, all right, fine. So then he admittedly, he was like, well, that was kind of, that would be kind of creepy if we walked all that way just to get to the place. I'm like, thank you. So anyway, we get in and we watch a movie and fall asleep on the couch. So get up and we're like, all right, let, let's go to bed. It was probably like, I don't know, two in the morning. And whenever I'm staying at a place that's not my house, I just, I don't really sleep that well. So probably woke up an hour later and because we had fallen asleep on the couch, we had opened the blinds that morning to the bedroom and fallen asleep and just went right to bed and then didn't close the blinds when we got into bed that night. So probably about an hour later, later, I would say I woke up and I'm not one of those people where, you know, you're like, oh, was I dreaming? Was I actually awake? Was I like, no, I, I'm a very light sleeper. So when I'm, when I am a little bit awake, like I'm awake. And I mean, I've just had experiences before where I know I'm not, I'm not dreaming. So I wake up and I kind of sit up in bed and my eyes just lock on this thing that's standing on the other side of the glass doors and these glass doors had to be eight feet, nine feet tall. And my husband's six, eight. So I'm aware of like what a tall person is. <laughs> and this thing had to be seven and a half, eight feet tall. And it was just standing there staring directly at me. And I locked eyes with it for a second. And I, I looked away. I immediately started shaking him, screaming, trying to wake him up. He woke up and he's like, what, what, what? And he, you know, looks out the window and there's nothing there. And he's never seen me like this before. And he's like, what is wrong? What happened? What did you just see? And I was like, you have to go around and make sure all the doors are locked. And he's like, okay, but hold on. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, there, I couldn't, I could not even vocalize anything for a good 15 minutes. I didn't even want to speak about it because I just thought it would, it would come back. It would manifest itself. I didn't know. And he's like, you have to tell me what you saw. I'm like, no, I, I, I literally can't. But it was, like I said, probably about eight foot tall. The head was easily about two feet wide. I mean, this thing was ginormous. And it looked, when I first saw it, I'm like, okay, I'm looking at a dog man. But in my head, I thought to myself, that is not what I pictured them to look like. That's exactly what my brain said when I saw this thing. And what I mean by that is it looked distinctly more like a bear rather than a wolf. Shorter snout. It had the distinct like frown that bears have when they, when you're looking directly at their face. 
how their mouth kind of like frowns on the sides. And like I said, I looked at it for a second, maybe two, because I was just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing and I just couldn't look at it. And it just looked at me and the vibe it gave me was, we are real. Do not question us again. Like it, it was just very authoritative, but also very sinister in a way that I couldn't even, I, I didn't even want to describe to him until the sun came up what I had seen because I was just terrified. As far as other features, I mean, I, I really, I locked eyes with it and I can, it, the, the vision of it's just burned in my brain of just the distinct face and how I just thought to myself, that is not what I pictured them to look like. So in my mind, my rational mind, I'm thinking, okay, if I did dream it, or if I did, you know, par paradelia, whatever that's called, if I Pareidolia. did just, yeah, if I did, you know, try to see something in the dark or whatever it was, why would I see something that I've never envisioned before? Because, you know, when you look to all the dogman stories and I I've always envisioned just that very distinct werewolf looking creature, not anything near a bear looking creature. If that makes sense. Yeah. Your, your husband, he's uh six foot eight. You said, mm -hmm. okay. And when we talked before you had said it was about a foot and a half taller than him. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that would put this creature at like well over eight feet. Yeah, eight and a half feet. Uh, I mean, if you if you if, if it's eighteen inches, you know, above seven and a, and a half. And what is now it? I, I wish I would have taken a, a photo of him because the next morning I had him stand outside and stood exactly where I saw this thing, and. Yeah, it was it was like a foot, foot and a half over over his head. Um, and I wish I would have taken a picture, but I didn't. But I, I think at that time I was I was so in denial. I was like, there's no way. Like, I know what I saw, but also I tried to just I tried to steer it away. Like, I, I just didn't. I'm like, no. And then I listened to the show the other day uh, when David Weatherly was on. And I can't remember who brought it up, but. Someone said, you know, sometimes people don't come forward with their stories because, you know, it, it doesn't fall into the classic, you know, dogman characteristic slot. You know what I mean? And for a while I was like, I don't, I don't even know if I should, I should give this story to you because has anyone even seen anything like this? Did, do, did I actually see this? You, you start to question yourself because it's not in the typical characteristic realm of of a dogman or whatever this thing was. Yeah, that's understandable because just having a regular well, there's nothing regular about it, but just having a dogman werewolf experience in general is difficult enough to to tell people, to open up about that. But then when there are more aspects to the story it's just it's just like one thing on top of another that that will make anyone apprehensive to 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 share that encounter with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think too, just knowing where we were and how you had to get up onto. It's not like you know the Airbnb was on the ground. It was it it was elevated. It was on stilts per se, and you either had to. This thing had to get over the, 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 the fence around the deck, which was, I don't know, 12 feet off the ground or walk up the ramp on the side and then, you know, get to that window over there, walk across the deck and get to the window. And the thing in my head too, when, when I woke my husband up and he's like, there's nothing there. I, I wanted so badly to hear footprints or hear something. Um, anything, yeah. To make it like physical to then maybe think, okay, there's a bear outside, you know, just again, just to kind of 
wash it away and be like, that's not what it was. It was a regular animal because you're terrified. You're like, what, what am I, what did I just see? And I heard nothing. And out there, you know, we didn't have, you know, any, even any fans going. We didn't, it was, it was so quiet. All you could hear were the crickets and I heard nothing. And I remember just laying there almost praying, like, please let me hear something so I can just make this thing physical and dismiss it. But didn't hear anything. It was, it was just there staring at me as I woke up. So God knows how long it was actually there, just watching through the window and, and nothing after that. And then the following night still in my head, I'm just trying to rationalize it. And we fell asleep again on the couch watching a movie the next night. And I remember waking up that night and I, I made myself look out the window and it was obviously black again in the living room. There was no curtains to shut. So when you, you know, woke up, you were just looking directly out this, these big sliding glass doors. And, you know, I, I made myself look out there to see if it would happen again. And it, it wasn't there because I wanted so badly to just be like, okay, your, your mind's making you see these things. And I mean, thank God nothing happened again and it wasn't there again. But once again, I just wanted so bad to just, okay, it, you know, it, it's your mind playing tricks on you. You know, you look out there again and there it is again, and then it's gone. Okay. I can dismiss it, but no, it, I'm, I'm convinced it was, it was there and it was real and, and just the feeling it gave me. And I, I can't explain why I would see something that I've never, ever once, you know, pictured in my head before. Yeah, there's a lot. To, okay, there's a lot to digest here. First and foremost, you might could tell the audience how heavily wooded Central Texas is. I don't think people realize that. I, and, you know, when Barton came down to visit, remember Anthony, he was like, dude. Whenever people think of Texas, they always think of West Texas. With tumbleweeds. But and, from central know. to East Texas, it's just, it's all green. Just thick, yeah, woods. So you experienced that firsthand, Jenna, like how thick the woods are here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you were surprised? Driving in, we were like, are you kidding? Like, this is, that, like, <laughs> where are we? <laughs> Where are all the oil rigs at? Where are people with the head? Where's all the steers? <laughs> people don't realize how how thick the woods are. Now, where you were at, I'll just give you a little, I'll tell you, is where what I classify as that's that's right in the heart and the middle of the, the territory. In every direction from Dripping Springs, for 30 miles in any direction, that is the heart of Dogman Country. I tell people that. There are other researchers out there, other podcasters, authors, whoever will say, well, they're mostly over here in this area and they're over here in this area. They don't live here. First of all, some of these people who have, they're saying all this stuff, they don't live here. And, and with all due respect, I, and some of them are even my friends. I disagree. I, I, I tell people all the time, this right now, where we're at, where I'm sitting in central Texas is dog man country. And if you want to see one, it's probably the place to go. Devil's Backbone, I would say, which is north of where you were at, just prime real estate for these things. And it just seems like <clears throat> the cave, excuse me, the cave systems and then the rivers. Dripping Springs is a very beautiful place in the daytime. At night, you can't see anything. And there's a lot of weird phenomena that goes on, like ghost lights, Bigfoot, Dogman, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I have a friend of mine who's lived out there in that, in that, in Drippin', out in Dripping Springs for ye, for his whole life. Uh, my friend, we call him Bones. But but anyway, he he's told me before, you know, like driving home, he's, th he's thought he's seen things like run across the road. He's like, what was that? Like, you know, and he just kind of like shakes his head like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, mark it off because he has to live out there. Um, you know, because or his, he does it now, but his folks do. And, and he, so he, for years he lived out there and now he lives in South Austin for the last few years, but you know, he goes to visit his folks and, and, and I know his folks too, and they live way out in the middle of nowhere. And then, you know, the author, my friend David Weatherly lives out in the hill country. And of course, you know, 
one of my really good friends, Tommy Kelly, lives out there, and you know they, they all are living in the middle of this area where if you know, then you know. You know that there's something out there. There's stuff out there. People's pets go missing quite a bit, you know, people's uh, animals and stuff get messed with or, or you know, get, get killed. Things happen. And I tell people all the time, this is, th- these things are no joke. This is a real thing. Th- the thing is, too, you get these stories of dog man. Well, you don't really know what that is because you get different variations of it. But one of the variations that people are kind of reluctant to talk about is what you saw which is like a bear, you know, I don't know. I had Ken Gerhard and Barton only on the phone yesterday and Sibylla Irwin. We were all talking and they were giving me some advice about my books coming out and we were going over reports and, you know, I enlisted some help because never written a book before and I needed help interviewing 60 different people. <laughs> so it's kind of a daunting task and to try to get it done and get it, get it, you know, for the, for the conference. And Sibylla's doing the artwork for it. And I, I talked to her about your case. Um, but there's three or four, just like yours, kind of in the same area. And so I was wondering, you know, about what we call this thing. And of course, Barton calls it Barilla because he's heard stories of this, you know. But it's also known as the Gugway. But we don't know that what you saw is the same as the Gugwe because I have a report from 1952 uh, or maybe it's 55. I don't know. Anyway, it's out near Noack. It's a little bitty spot in the middle of nowhere out, out in, in uh, central Texas out here. And a gra- a guy delivering uh, cotton going in and, and from, from a cotton gin out there is no longer in existence. And he comes across this creature in the middle of the road that looked like a go- cross between a gorilla and what he described as a bear. Or maybe a wolf. Like he couldn't really tell you. and But then he just came to the conclusion that it was probably, you know, a werewolf. And th- I've heard this story since I was a child. Since I was a kid, I heard these stories of these creatures. Now, what you saw does not look like what I saw because mine looked way more wolf-like. And multiple people have seen in my hometown what I saw. There's a whole chapter in the book about it. But out there where you were at, I get two kinds of dogmen. And really just two. I don't really get a whole lot of others. And and they're, the, overwhelmingly, the reports are of these big wolf-like creatures with these big wolf heads. But there are these other creatures that look distinctly different than that. And they are bear-like. And, and if you were somewhere else that where bears are common, then they're going to say, you saw a bear. But right. there are no bears that size here in Texas. Now, there are black right. bears south of San Antonio. Some people say yeah, the devil's backbone may have some. I've heard of black bears. But then again, people see saber-toothed cats out there. So who the heck knows what's really going on? But this thing you saw is not unprecedented in the terms of like people, you know, like there is a precedent for it. People see this, you know. One of the the stories that I got was from a lady named Guadalupe. And folks, if you want to hear that, I'm probably going to tell that on the live stream. Tune into the live stream on Friday and Sunday. Like I said, if you're only listening to the podcast, you're missing out on a ton of material. But this particular woman and her son saw something, and it was right outside of Dripping Springs, just south of there. And I'm wondering, like, with the close proximity to these cases, if this is the same creature. You know, I don't know. It's about eight foot tall. It's it's a little taller than the average dog, which is about seven and a half, seven to a seven yeah. and a half. You know, this thing was bigger and it looked more bear-like. The head was more rounded, but the ears were shorter and tr- more triangular than a bear. Yeah. And I didn't see the ears because it was so dark out there. They actually kind of shied you away, away from leaving on any sort of light to some sort of conservative thing with nature at that time of the year. I don't know. The only thing um, that they wanted you to keep on at night was the like solar power powered lights that lined the um, path to walk up Airbnb. Other than that, it was just moonlight. So it was, you know, 
very hard to see anything else. And I think it was just so close to the glass and just that's the only, I just completely made eye contact with the eyes and just saw the face and looked away. And that was it. I, I didn't want to stick around to look at it, to get any more features because I'm thinking this thing's going to break through the glass and kill us. I had no idea. And, you know, I, I woke my husband up and there, it was just gone. His reaction. What was his reaction? He was more concerned about me. Um, and he was like, what, 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 what is it? What did you see? What's wrong? What happened? And I was just frantic, basically just, you know, in flight mode. Like you have to like, are these doors locked? Did you lock every door? Are the windows locked? He's like, yes. Like what, what is wrong? What did you see? And I, I just, I couldn't, I was, I just said there was something outside the, 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 the door and he was like, okay, but what? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, well, you need to tell me. And I'm like, I physically can't. Like, I I felt so nauseous and just terrified, like a, a, a terror I've never felt. And ever, I never thought I would feel in my life. I, I just couldn't get anything out. And he, I think he was just more concerned about my state than anything else. He just kind of laid with me and we just laid there. Cause I, I'm like, well, we can't go out there and get in the truck and leave because that thing's out there. And we, we it was like, we were just, we were sitting ducks. We were just stuck. And he's like, it's okay. Like it, it was nothing. I'm like, no. And I was just getting upset. He's like, okay, well maybe it was something. And I, he was like, I mean, I don't see anything out there. I, I couldn't look, look back. I just kind of stayed where I was and he eventually shut the, shut the blinds. Cause I'm like, you have to, you have to shut those. I, I can't. He's like, all right, all right, we'll shut them. And in the morning I finally just kind of told him what I saw and he was like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I, I feel like I'm crazy. I don't know how else to explain it. And he's like, you're not crazy. He's like, you know, it, maybe you did see it. Maybe, you know, who knows? And that was kind of that was kind of that because I, knowing we had to stay there another night, I again I didn't want to really like vocalize too much because I just kind of felt like that would almost bring it to life, bring it back. So yeah. Whew. So folks, be sure and tune in next week. We're going to talk about some more dogman encounters. Um, it's going to be me telling or retelling people's stories. And Jenna Perry was nice enough to sit in and she's going to uh, be a part of the show. So it's really a, th- a third part with Jenna, but she's going to be more of a co-host, just like we did with Matt Inch, which which uh, everybody seemed to like when uh, the, the witnesses can sit in and kind of give their input on some of these other cases that we, we've had and gone over. So be sure and tune in next Tuesday for that. Don't forget, I'll see you on Friday on the on the YouTube live stream. We try to get started around nine o'clock on Friday and, and then again on Sunday. Friday, we have a guest. We always have a guest and you're not going to want to miss this one. This woman uh, who saw something that looked uh, like a rake crawler, whatever, and some other things that went on. And, and so you're, gonna, you're not going to want to miss Friday's show on the live stream on YouTube. Be sure to tune in for that, 9 p.m. Central. And then Sunday, we don't have a guest, and we, we retell stories, and we talk about the events of the week and what's going on in the world of Paranormal Roundtable. That's on Sunday, 7, 7.30, usually around that time we'll start. So be sure and hit those live streams up, and then we'll be back on Tuesday doing it all over again. And then we're going to be embarking on a series of interviews that are probably going to be launched on Thursdays again, just like we did with the Christopher Garitano three-part episodes. So that's another thing to be looking forward to. So you got a lot of content coming for Paranormal Roundtable. Be sure to like and subscribe, and uh, don't forget to leave a comment on the Paranormal Roundtable Facebook group. Good night. (laughs) 